All right, question and answer time. You can just shout it out. What's the difference between the kingdom and the church? What, what's, what, are, what are some differences between the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus Christ, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and, and the church? So Carol said Jesus talked about the kingdom of God all the time, but not as much as the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church? Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, talking about heaven and how it will include the full church and the representation of that. Uh, I was in Matthew 16, I, I believe, is where uh, Peter has the confession of Christ. Um, is my Christ? Yeah. Seth, is it working? If you could pull that up, that'd be great. Um, in Matthew 16, that's where Peter confesses Christ as the Messiah, uh, the Son of the living God. And. Um, and Jesus says, blessed are you uh, because God's spirit revealed this to you. This wasn't revealed to you by, uh, by flesh and blood. And, um, and then he says, upon this rock, my, my church will be built and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so um, that's, that's kind of a confusing statement. And at times it's, it can seem like what Jesus was talking about there was... Um, that on Peter, the church is built. But that's not actually what Jesus was saying. He was saying upon the confession of Christ, that, that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that's, that's what the church is. So where people gather together and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that, that's the church. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is um, as I've been listening for our coming year in 2019 and just asking God, what do you have for us? as a local church body. All right, let's take a moment. Everyone's kind of looking at the screen, wondering what's going on. It's okay. It'll be all right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right, distractions. They're awesome. So let's focus back in. Just quiet your hearts. God, we just invite you to speak this morning. Distractions are a part of our life 24-7. And we, as the people of God, just so desperately need to continue to learn from you how to listen well, God. And uh, we just need your grace. So help us this morning in the midst of craziness and busyness of life and technology, which always goes wrong whenever it can. Um, just help us listen to you, God. Pray this in your name, Father. Amen. So as I've been praying and thinking about 2019, what does God have? For Parker Ford Church in 2019, what does he have for us? Um, there's a, a theme that's been coming to the surface, um, and, and it's the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom, everybody say, the kingdom of God is at hand. And what's really cool is last week when we had uh, some of our elder members sharing their testimony, the thing that, that Jay focused on when, when Jay uh, Deering was sharing was about the kingdom and about the importance of the kingdom. And I thought that was so cool, the spirit of God working in that way. So this past year, from a teaching standpoint, what we really focused on in 2018 was identity. Identity. So if you remember, we had the further up and further in series 
that was all about pressing deeper, further up and further into the presence and identity of God. And we had the Never Forsaken series that was about our identity in the midst of pain and suffering and how God dwells with us and remains faithful with us even in the valley of the shadow of death. And then we moved um, into the testimonies uh, around Easter, if you remember that, where we had the Overcome series where people were sharing the testimonies about what God is done in their life, forming their identity. And then we spent a good portion of the year in Acts asking what does it mean to discern God's will. All of that stuff has to do with our identity in Christ. Because if our identity in Christ is not firm, it's not solid, then the rest of our life is going to be out of joint and out of place. Like that is the number one conversation that God always starts between us and his people, between himself and his people. It's our identity in Christ. That, that is of, that's the foundation. That's the starting point. And uh, that's my greatest passion as a pastor is to deal with identity issues, dealing with identity, um, who we are. And so often I'll say um, that the most important thing is to know who you are in Christ. Um, and so that this year, moving forward, we're going to continue to focus on identity because the moment you move away from identity, the moment you get out of that, you get in big trouble. So we're going to continue to focus on identity, but we're also going to start to bring in a little bit um, of missional stuff, thinking back on, on mission and how God might be calling us as a local church into mission. And last year, I was really hesitant in my first year here pastoring the body to push mission. The body seemed um, tired and uh, seemed like it needed a season of rest and just identity and listening. And I think that was appropriate from the Lord. But um, when we go too long in those seasons without also thinking about mission, things can get out of joint there as well. So all that to say, what I've been hearing from the Lord is kingdom. And kingdom is really where identity in Christ meets mission. That, that's where those two things come together in some pretty profound ways. So the kingdom of God is at hand. If we combine Jesus' teaching from the four Gospels, we see that the Gospel writers recorded Jesus preaching and teaching about the kingdom over 100 times. So think about that. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to read Jesus talking about the kingdom over 100 times. The kingdom was Jesus' favorite topic to talk about. He talked about the kingdom way more than he talked about any other subject. It's been rightly noted that in the Gospels, it's actually harder to find a place where Jesus isn't talking about the kingdom than places where he is. If you just flip open to the Gospels, it might not be explicitly in the words, but the context is most often about the kingdom if Jesus is talking. Jesus' very first sermon was about the kingdom. After his baptism, his, his first public sermon in ministry was about the kingdom. He continued to talk about the kingdom throughout his ministry. And then after his resurrection, guess what he talked about? The kingdom. When he showed up to, uh, showed up to his disciples and followers in the resurrected state, he continued to discuss the kingdom with those he visited before his ascension. Here's uh, where he preached his first sermon. And this is in Matthew chapter 4. And this is right after his baptism. And if you remember, what happens after Jesus' baptism immediately? What does the Spirit of God lead him to do? Yeah, he goes out into the wilderness. So he's baptized. He goes out into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And the, and the devil tempts him. And then after that whole story, this is the very next 
verse that ends in verse 11 about the temptation. And then it goes into verse 12 here. Now when he heard, that's Jesus, that John had been arrested, that's John the Baptist, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Now watch this, verse 17. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this is Jesus' first public sermon coming out of, uh, out of the baptism as he is ushered into the, the time of his public ministry for these three years. This is going to be his main message over and over again. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent is the Greek word metanoia. Everybody say metanoia. metanoia. Anybody know what that means? It means repent. But literally, it means change your mind. Think differently. That's what that word means. It means change your mind. So the idea of repentance, and we've talked about this recently, is you're walking in one direction... You repent, which means you walk in the opposite direction. In this case, what Jesus is saying, you were thinking this direction about the kingdom. This is what your thought was about the kingdom. Change your mind and think about the kingdom like this. So how did Israel think about the kingdom? How, what were the expectations of the kingdom? They, they continued to think of it as a physical place in a certain location that the temple was the high point of the kingdom, that, that, um, that they would have uh, military victory over their enemies, that they would overthrow Rome. These are the thoughts about the kingdom. Jesus, Jesus, the Messiah, the king of kings, the king of this kingdom that's been promised and hoped for and prayed for for, for thousands of years, he says to them this message, you're thinking about it this way, change your mind. And think about it this way. What's the next chapter after chapter 4? What number comes next? Good, good counting. Matthew 5. What is Matthew 5? The Sermon on the Mount. You thought the kingdom was this. Change your mind. This is what the kingdom is. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Change your mind in thinking this is about dominating other people. Repent. And receive a totally new vision and picture of what the kingdom is. And then he goes into the most beautiful teaching on loving God and loving our neighbor that the world has ever received. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This is, this is Jesus' kingdom message. So this is, that's his first sermon. And then look at his last sermon, his last teaching. This is in Acts 1, 1 to 3. So this is the book we've been going through over the course of the last several months. 
And Luke is writing this, and he says, In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And there's a lot about the kingdom in Luke. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about what? The kingdom of God. So the beginning of his ministry is kingdom. The fullness of his ministry is kingdom. And then right before he ascends into heaven, these are the last thoughts I want to leave you with. What Jesus chooses to leave his people with, what he chooses to spend his time talking with as he appears to them in the resurrected state, is about the kingdom of God. So, in 2019... This is from a pastoral perspective. As I'm thinking about teaching, and I'm thinking about worship, and I'm thinking about just thematic, the thematic focus of our body when it comes together, when we spend time with one another. 2019, I would like us as a local church body to intentionally focus on the theme of the kingdom of God. Can we do that together? Does this sound good? All right, I believe the Lord is going to bless us in this journey. Specifically... I'd like for us to wrestle with what it means to live in the kingdom now. Not just thinking about the kingdom as a future eschatological construct. That's a fancy way of saying that when Jesus talked about the kingdom, he meant for us to live in it now, not just in the future. If you have any, uh, <laughs> Phil and I were talking about this this morning, if you have any Baptist in your background at all, and uh, I've, I've got a little bit in mind, um, and a lot of just conservative evangelical teaching in general, if you have any of that in your background, then probably what you were taught about the kingdom is this. The kingdom is that time when Jesus returns and, and reigns. That's what the kingdom is. This is very end times. That's what eschatological is, the, the study of the end times, thinking about the end of things. So... The kingdom of God is this future event, because clearly, we look around ourselves now, the kingdom is not here. At least it feels like it. All the chaos and pain and disease and sickness and death and suffering and injustice, the kingdom certainly can't be now. It has to be future when Jesus comes and kicks all the bad guys out and brings all the good guys in and, and the good guys win and the bad guys lose and so on and so forth. But that's a totally false dichotomy. That's a, that's, a, that's a false understanding about what the kingdom is. Because Jesus, when he talked about the kingdom, he talked about it in present terms in this age. There is a component about the kingdom that is yet to be fully consummated. There is a portion of the, the, the teaching of Jesus' kingdom that has not fully come yet to be. But when Jesus was praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven... He wasn't saying that God, Heavenly Father, in 3,000 years, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Of course not. This is in the midst of his kingdom teaching that he gives the prayer. It's in Matthew chapter 6. It's in the midst of this is how we live in the kingdom now. This is how we dwell with one another now. This is how we love one another now. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth today, God, as it is in heaven. If that's purely a future-focused thing, then how are we as the people of God 
to have any kind of power in our living with God and with others today. We won't. All our, all our eggs will be in the basket of the future. We'll, we'll be totally focused on God's going to make everything all right. The earth's going to burn anyways. So who cares about this place? It's all going to hell in a handbasket. Let's focus on the future. Just hunker down, circle the wagons, tightly grip the people around you, get as many people out of hell as possible, and get through this terrible life. Clearly, that's not Jesus' teaching about the kingdom, about justice, about love. To live in the kingdom like Jesus desired is to live in the kingdom today, right now. We're in God's kingdom right now. The tension between the now and the not yet is uh, well spoken by uh, this scholar, G.E. Ladd. He says, the mystery of the kingdom is this. Before this eschatological consummation, before Jesus returns the second time and brings everything together, before the destruction of Satan, the ultimate destruction of Satan, before the age to come, before, before that, the kingdom of God has entered this age and invaded the kingdom of Satan in spiritual power to bring people in advance. Even though that's all promised and it will be fully consummated, fully sealed, and eternal in the future, in advance, the kingdom has already invaded and begun to do what it promised to do. The blessings of forgiveness, life, righteousness, which belong, they ultimately belong to the age to come, but they're here now in Christ. The righteousness of the kingdom, here, listen to this phrase, I think this is very important in our understanding of the kingdom, the righteousness of the kingdom is an inner absolute righteousness that can be realized only as God gives it to people. Say that again. The righteousness of the kingdom is an inner absolute righteousness that can be realized only as God gives it to people. Now think about that phrase and then think about what Jesus says about who can enter the kingdom. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom. Who here wants to live with that person? Unless your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees, Jesus said, you cannot enter the kingdom. How do you get in the kingdom, Jesus? Your righteousness has to exceed the Pharisees. Jeez. They, they, they were notoriously self-righteous. They cared about all this outer stuff, all this time spent tithing and washing and these ritualistic purity ceremony, ceremonial things that they did. So what Jesus is saying there is not that we have to follow more rules than the Pharisees. That's not what he's saying. He's not talking about righteousness like that. Jesus is thinking about righteousness internally, not externally. Because what does he condemn the Pharisees for? He says, you're like cups that are washed on the outside, but inside you hold poison. You're like whitewashed tombs. He says to the Pharisees, you look clean on the outside and people like to see how holy and reverent you look, but inside are dry, dead bones. 
So when Jesus is saying, unless your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom, what he's saying is unless the righteousness that you live with is about your heart instead of this outward appearance, you cannot enter the kingdom. Now think about this from the Sermon on the Mount, his ultimate kingdom teaching. He says, you have heard it said, this is from chapter 5, verse 27, you shall not commit adultery, an outward an outward example of righteousness, right? Don't commit adultery. Don't sleep around. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Yes, it's important. Men, do not sleep with women that aren't your wives. Women, don't sleep with men that aren't your husbands. That is important. He's not nullifying that. He's not canceling that. But what he's saying is that actually there's a deeper message there that's not just about the outward walking out of this stuff. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. Do not even look lustfully at someone who does not belong to you. In the kingdom, don't take that which is not yours. The righteousness must exceed this outer righteousness and be one that penetrates the heart. Now, every honest man, and I think if you're in touch women, honest women as well, know that this is an impossible burden apart from this, that Jesus Christ can transform broken lives. Jesus Christ can transform broken minds. Jesus Christ can transform that which is so wicked within us and cause us to be a new person. But this only comes by grace. This only comes by grace through Christ, where he transforms us so that when we look at one another, we look at one another rightly. And then we treat one another rightly too, yes. So the righteousness of the kingdom is an inner absolute rightness. Righteousness that can't be realized only, it can only be realized, sorry, as God gives it to people. That's what grace is. Righteousness is not something you earn. It's a gift of God. Righteousness is a gift of God. Too often we've been told righteousness is a work that we do in response to God. It's not. Righteousness itself is a gift of grace from God. As we continue in the book of Acts in the coming months, we're going to continue to focus on this theme of kingdom. Now, the, the focus in the book of Acts in the second half, it shifts away from Jerusalem and it shifts out into the world as the church and the kingdom go out from there. Now, we read in Acts 1 about how the message begins with the kingdom. Jesus visiting those he appeared to before his ascension about the kingdom. Look at what the very last verse of Acts is. This is the last verse of Acts. Last two verses. For the next two years, this is Paul in Rome. Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming, what? Kingdom of God. The beginning of Acts is kingdom. The end of Acts is the kingdom. If both the beginning and the end of a book are the same thing, it's probably important. Amen? He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love, this is the last line of Acts. This is so cool. And no one tried to stop him. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Jesus, this year, as we focus on the kingdom, we pray that no one would try to stop us. 
So our mission here at PFC is uh, captured with, uh, and this predates me being here as pastor, but it's, it's good. I, I believe it's good. And I, I very um, affirm this. PFC's mission is stated as up, in, and out. You can see it on that big old banner in the corner over there by Rob. Rob, wave your hand. By Rob. And, and then the mission of, of PFC is up towards God, in towards one another, and out towards the world. Pretty simple. But, but makes sense, right? We, we focus on a relationship with God, we, we focus on a relationship with one another, and we, we focus on caring for those in the world around us. So here's some questions I'd like us to ask this year as we're thinking about these, these things. How do we represent the kingdom of God in each of these three realms? So how do we pursue the kingdom when it's us alone with God, up towards him? How do you receive the mission and the purpose of the kingdom? in towards one another? How do we focus on the kingdom when we're caring and serving and worshiping together and outward? How do we bring the kingdom out into the world? What are the practices of the kingdom? I want, I want, I want us, I want you, I want me, I want us to be able to answer that just off the top of our head. Like it should be on the tip of our tongue. You know, in six to nine months when I say, what are the, what are the practices of the kingdom of God? Just that, oh, this is, this is how we practice things in the kingdom of God. What are the values of the kingdom? Do you know what your king values? You're in a kingdom, do you know what he values? Do you value the same things that your king values? How can you value the same things that your king values if you don't know what he values? So what are the values of the kingdom? How does the kingdom advance and grow? This is a big question for us. How does the kingdom move forward? advance? And how is the kingdom antithetical to the values of this world? Some of those are obvious. Some of those are a little bit trickier to nail down. So these are questions I want to think about. Alright, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 72 disciples. He sends out 72 disciples to go and do his work in advance of him. And this is what he says to them as he's sending them out into the world. So we are disciples, amen? Jesus, if you're in a relationship with Christ, you're a disciple of Christ, this is his message to his disciples being sent out into the world. Listen to what he says. After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, so we should be doing ministry and relationship, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And skipping ahead a couple of verses, he says this. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. And I love this verse. I love this verse. Part for it. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And as I pray and as I listen, I believe this is the mission that God has for us as a church. <coughs> Wherever we go, work, home, school, play, store, grocery store, mall, whatever. Wherever you go, internet chat rooms, seriously, wherever you go, this is the mission that God has called us to. Heal the sick. And say to all that we encounter that we have grace to say this to, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Isn't that beautiful? Heal the sick, proclaim the kingdom. That's our mission. Heal the sick, proclaim the kingdom. So, um, two, two other things I want to focus on this year as we think about kingdom. I want to focus on practices, the practices of the kingdom, the personal practices. And I want to continue to focus on developing community. The number one complaint I heard when I came to Parker Ford um, the first several months was, um, I don't have any friends. Or I have very few friends. This is the number one thing I heard. And, and um, which we're not a huge church. Like, look around. 
We're a pretty small church. We should know everybody. Get to know one another. And so um, I, I believe that the Lord desires us to continue to develop community. And so we're going to throw out nets from a leadership standpoint. I'm going to try to throw as many opportunities as is healthy to build community, build relationship with one another. We have our seasonal community <coughs> groups that are starting back up um, next month. And I'm still, I still need one more person to host. So we've got two families that are hosting in February. We need one more family that's willing to host in February. And it's just a month. Host for a month. And then it'll be someone else's turn. Um, we, we can build community at times like this. Ask someone out to lunch after church. Just ask them to go to lunch with you. If you can't afford it, that's okay. Ask them if they'll take you out to lunch. I'm, just, I'm dead serious. I am not even joking. Because, now, hear me out. Hear me out. And... How, how loud and how hard we just reacted to that tells us where our treasure is in this culture. The fact that that elicited such a response tells us how much we value money over relationship. Because if someone takes you out to lunch and they have a new friend, they got the value out of the situation, not you. Let's say that again. If you need... If someone takes you out to lunch because you can't afford it, and that's fine. I've been in times in my life where I can't afford to go out to eat. That's part of life. If, if someone takes you out to lunch and, and you develop a relationship with them, they've gotten a better deal. Okay? Take one another out to eat. Invite people over. Build friendships. Every, morning, every Friday morning, there's a group of us, and there's not a week that goes by that there's not... A, quite a few guys that show up at 6 a.m. on a Friday morning to pray for you, to pray for the church, to pray for the neighborhood, to pray for the community. Come pray. If you're a man, come pray at 6 a.m. I don't care that it's early. Who cares? Get up and pray with us. Friday mornings, 6 a.m. here at the church. Come join us. Practice hospitality. Invite people over to your house. Open your home up. It's not, your, your home is not yours for you. Your home, your home is yours for others. That's why God gives homes. He gives homes so that you can invite other people over to them. Make new friends. This is the, the number one way, I believe, with all my heart, that God is leading people into the kingdom. It's through friendship. I've had the great joy and privilege in my life of leading a number of people to the Lord, and not once has it been because I preached a good sermon. Every single person that has come into the kingdom, um, that, the Lord, that I've had a chance to be a part of that great, joyful thing, is because we were friends. That's how God brings people into the kingdom is developed. So develop friendships with people who don't know him. And then when their life inevitably falls apart, because it always will, you can be there. You can be there for them. All right, and then personal practices. I want to be a church that reads the Bible daily. A group of us are reading through the scriptures this year. If you'd like to join us, talk to me. I'll get you hooked up. Read the Bible every day. It's the word of God. Pray. They devoted themselves to prayer. That's the consistent theme of Acts. They devoted themselves to prayer. Fasting, often they'll be practicing saying no to food or saying no to technology or saying no to something so we can say yes to God. So fasting is about no to this so I can say yes to you. Journaling. It's important. Journal. If you're not a journaler, buy a journal and journal this year. Reflect on your thoughts. Play. Play is actually a spiritual practice that gives glory to God. Play. Play with your kids. Play with your grandkids. Play with your neighbors. Go play a sport. 
Go play music. Play is important to the heart of God. It's part of the kingdom. We can listen. So we want to focus on community. We want to focus on the kingdom practices this year. And this is, this is what I desire our uh, mission statement to be this year in all, place, in all the places that God calls us to. Heal the sick and say to everyone that we encounter, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Can we read that together? Read that? All right, let's read that corporately together. And then let's pray and invite God to allow that to be our, our statement of purpose this year. All right, I'm through. One, two, three. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we so desperately need a new vision of the kingdom, and I put myself right at the forefront of that prayer. I daily need to be reminded and retaught and retold by you what the kingdom is and what it's not. Your message about the kingdom starts with change your mind. Think differently about this. So we, as the people of God here, part of our church in this location, desire to repent, to change our minds about how we think about the kingdom and receive a fresh vision of the kingdom from you and from your word and really from the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, this is the, this is the kingdom text, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So help us receive a fresh vision. And as we walk out our lives, help us proclaim this message, the message of healing and the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Amen.